Hello and welcome to another exciting and, you guessed it, jam-packed episode of Modern Day Philosophers. I'm your host, Danny Lobel, and today I'm very excited for you to hear this episode I recorded with the number one comedian in France, God El Malet, who I've been aware of for over 10 years, and I finally met him for the first time. We recorded this interview at the Chateau Montmont on Sunset Boulevard, a famous hotel where I think John Belushi died. I'm pretty sure of that. And... Um, it was great. It was great talking to him. As my wife pointed out when she listened to the interview, it sounded like we knew each other uh, for years, but it was the very first time we ever met. And my, my feeling is we probably, we're probably related. We're both Sephardic Jews, and he just felt like family to me as soon as I sat down with him. I am sitting currently, by the way, uh, in front of a Starbucks in Rancho Cucamonga on my way up to Flagstaff, Arizona for the Big Pine Comedy Festival this weekend, which is exciting. Also very exciting is that the episode you're about to hear today was plugged. Yes, sir. Oh, you're listening. Am I disturbing you? I just want to make sure. Oh, you're intrigued. All right, that's good. That's good, because I saw you looking at me. I wasn't sure what, what that look meant. All right. John Belushi's dead. I don't know if you knew about that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I uh, also exciting about today's interview is that it was plugged on WTF, Mark Marin's podcast. Uh, he gave us a very nice plug out of love, and I'm sending the love back. I love Mark Marin. I'm sure you're all aware of WTF, but if you're not, and I'm the one making you hip to it, that's a huge honor for me. So check out his show today. He has Kamasi Washington, a great jazz player, on, and he's done a brilliant interview with him. So go check that out. And uh, I'm going to take a minute now to cut to our sponsor. And you, know, and you know who they are. It's Stand Up Records. Here you go. Warning, stand-up records may cause intestinal distress, fits of insane laughter, instant diarrhea, existential malaise, headaches, nausea, dizziness, vomiting, seasonal affective disorder, more headaches, pneumomono-ultramicroscopic silicovolcanoconiosis. Stand-up records should not be handled by women who are pregnant, may become pregnant, have ever been pregnant, or personally know anyone who has been pregnant. Do not consult your doctor if he's operating heavy machinery. Stand-up records is for external application only. And stand-up records is, of course, good for a few laughs. So remember that's standuprecords.com. For the world's finest comedy CDs, DVDs, and merchandise. That's standuprecords.com. The revolution will be hilarious. Stand Up Records, the brand you know, the brand you love. Stand Up Records. I don't think they're going to prove that as an official jingle or anything, but I think it's catchy. Um, all right, look, I'm sitting on the side of the road, sitting on the side of the road right here. Uh, this is a special episode, not only because I get to talk to God Amale, but also because we get to talk a little bit about the Jewish high holidays, specifically Yom Kippur, which is right around the corner, as is Rosh Hashanah. So to my Jewish listeners, or to those who are interested in all things Jewish or some things Jewish out there, I wish you a happy new year and a easy fast and a good judgment, a good repentance, a good atonement, a good Yom Kippur. It's my favorite holiday. And it's also, by the way, talking to Mark Marin, it's his birthday. So you can tweet him a happy birthday on Yom Kippur, or after Yom Kippur, if you're keeping Yom Kippur strict. Okay. So usually I get to usually I get to mention a little bit about the philosopher on the show. I forgot to bring it up in the recording on this one, so I'll just tell you right now. Later in the episode, I will be talking to Gad El Malay about 
the philosopher Ronald Gerard Barthes. I know I butchered it when I said it in the show, so I'm trying to get it right now. Barthes. Ronald Gerard de Barthes was a French philosopher who lived from uh, November 12, 1915 to March 26, 1980, which is only a few years and a day off from when I was born. He was a French literary theorist, a philosopher, a linguist, a critic, and a semiotician, which might be the wrong way to pronounce that word, but it means someone who studies meaning, which I think I do. I'm into meaning. Maybe I'm a semiotician or a semiotician. About his ideas explored a diverse range of fields as he influenced the development of schools and theory, including structuralism, social theory, design theory, anthropology, and post-structuralism. So now you know a little bit about him, and now uh, you'll get to hear a little bit about God El Malay in my interview with him. And if at the end of this you say, I want more God El Malay, head back over to WTF with Mark Marin. He recently had God on his show, too, and did a great interview with him as well, uh, which is very different, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and you get a lot of different things out of that interview from the one you get from this one. So, again, thank you, Mark. I love you too, man, and I really appreciate it. And now, without a further adieu, except, of course, for the intro song, my talk with the great Moroccan, French, Jewish, international comedian, God El Malé. Enjoy. Welcome to Modern Day Philosophers. Modern Day Philosophers. Having failed to pay attention in school, Danny Lobel, now older and wiser, will attempt to learn basic philosophy 101. Our young hero will be joined by today's top comedians, philosophers all their own. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Danny Lobel. Modern Day Philosophers. Thanks, uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for no. having me here. Actually, no, thanks for having me here. Yeah. I mean, that's my, 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 my room, no? Yeah, I'm in your room. Can we say that to, your, uh, to, the, to people who are listening right now that we are in my room? I'm in God's hotel room. Exactly. Don't yeah. say which hotel, but just... You can say room You won't number. be here by the time. That <laughs> <laughs> room 55. You just need to find a hotel, guys. That's a tricky game. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I'll tell you, first of all, what we have in common is that we're both uh, comedians, obviously, and we're both Sephardic Jews. Yeah. Or, oh, we, you are? I am. Where are you from? Uh, well, my family is originally from Spain. I have family in Turkey now. Wow. In fact, my cousins in Istanbul, you're their favorite comedian. Wow. I love to. It's great. I love to hear that. By the way, you know that the word Sephardic means uh, Spain, Spain and yes. that's, you're a real Sephardic if you're from Spain, from Spain. And from, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Jews from Morocco, most, a lot of them came from Spain. Yeah, most of them, and they've been, when they've been uh, exp exposed by uh, Isabel the Catholic yeah. in 1492. This is all I know with the history, so yeah. I'll stop here. I'll <laughs> give right. you all I knew in history. Um, all my knowledge, all my education, that's it. So your family, uh, you're, you're a Jewish Moroccan. Yes. And uh, yes. did your family come from Spain to Morocco or were they the original, the ones who were there before? Oh, yeah. My original family, they came from Spain. 
Mm, by the way, there's an interesting story about my last name, which is El Malé, um, pr pronounced in the, the French way. El Maleh in Arabic uh, means... Because um, Arabs always sound like they're out of breath. <laughs> or mad. <laughs> Maleh. No, but the interesting story, my original name in Spain, many, 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 many years and centuries, was Bueno. And bueno means good. Good. And it was translated in Arabic when they moved um, to Morocco, and it was translated, and it became al-malah, al-malah. And all the Jews um, who had bueno as a name and moved to America are the Goodman, all the Goodman family. The Goodmans? So my name is Goodman. Al-malah or Goodman. MLA is much I better than Goodman. I don't know. I should. Uh, sometimes I'm like, <laughs> shit, I should have uh, picked maybe the American name so it would be so sexy. And Because Al-malah, I'm proud of Goodman is not a sexy name. I really? I, not, that, not that I can think. I can't think of one instance of a sexy Goodman. But John, John Goodman. That's, uh, I don't know. No. <laughs> No, Goodman is like so American for us, right? It's it's all good man. That's like a name you pat someone on the back to. <laughs> good man. Yeah, good man. I don't know. It's, it's it's we always we you know we are always happy to change and to have what we don't have, right? Like uh, for us as Sephardic and French and Moroccan, everything that is American sounds always sexier and bigger and stronger. Mm -hmm. We have a complex since we we're we were born, right? But that's it. Now we're taking over. Yeah, because it's not what you, it's what, whatever you don't have is the more mysterious thing. Like for me, like you just said, but for me, like France is, you know, sexy, cool, you no, know? No, Like we talked about this before the podcast. I'm from New York. So New York to me, it's just like, yeah, New I, York. No, comes, I can't, man. I can't believe you <laughs> left and you, you moved to LA when you're from New York. It would be like, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't get it. I live in New York now. I feel, um, I don't know, it's so, it's great, you know. I mean, it's a very common conversation when you're in LA to talk about New York and right, right, right. vice versa. Yeah. New York, I always think, is like always better from afar. New really? York is like one of these places. You like, mean from Brooklyn? Like the farther you go from <laughs> the center, like if New York, if Times Square is the center, the center of New York is shit, you know, like Times <laughs> the further you pull back from the center, I the better New York is. I never go there. If you're like in Morocco, New York is wow. Oh, if, you, if you're in Queens, New York is ah. And if you're... <laughs> <laughs> and you're free. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly you know, what you mean. That's why I like the skyline of New York is the best thing about New York because you see it from outside of it, you know? Yeah. yeah. If you're in it, you can't Yeah, because you're it. from there, but when you move to New York, you want to be in New York. You want to be in the heart of New York. You want to be... Yeah, I used to go to Times Square, hang out there and think mm -hmm. it was a great thing. Now I cannot spend two minutes over there. It's impossible. I never go there. Right. I used to come to LA and spend days at the Grove. Mm -hmm. Like an immigrant fascinated by everything now you know when you know things and you know you get used to it mm, the flavor is not the same la is like a hidden beauty uh new york it's very like out there it's like it's like a woman with a lot of cleavage you know <laughs> wow. la you got to kind of find it you know it's but a good analogy you, but um you mean yeah in new york she yeah she she comes to you. Everybody thinks New York is sexy, but when you get to know New York, you find out she's crazy and abusive, you know? <laughs> but L.A., it's, it's a... But for us... L.A., I, she just doesn't care about you. I, oh, I like that. But as a comedian, like for us, for comedians, I mean, 
you know, this is where you want to be for stand-up comedy, and mm-hmm. the scene is... Yeah, New York is the best for stand-up. I think it's, it's, it's the place to be if you're a stand-up comedian, and for me, that was my dream, go where... I mean, if I was very, very religious, I would like to go to Jerusalem really mm-hmm. often, and no matter what religion you, you are, you just want to be where, you know, it was born, and stand-up comedy was born in New York, and all the comedians that I really uh, admire are there you know you you know it's funny like you brought up jerusalem i was in jerusalem i went to study there uh, a year ago Mm -hmm. for a month what did you study uh jewish studies talmud things like that talmud yeah and mishnah uh, gemara yeah all this all of it so uh it was before i got married my wife and i both went and we studied for a month and you do everything with your wife that's the thing we're very close okay so um (laughs) That's so American of you. <laughs> All right. Is it, it's not... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that's interesting. I never on, thought of it as go, an American. On date nights? You go on date nights? No, because no. we're just always... You just, ever, you you know. just go out. Right? Yeah. Because date night is really a, a... I think date night is for people who have let it all go and they have to like exactly. try to bring something back. You Spice know? it up, right? Yeah. You try to come up with ideas and they label just a simple thing that just just going to go to the restaurant with their wife. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm very surprised by this concept. Yeah, that, that's like date night is like we're we're clinging on to this thing. Like <laughs> <laughs> date night is like I don't know. It's I mean I, I've always thought that date night. I'm like, what can happen? You know, there's nothing. I mean, what's the best case scenario? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, even if it goes really well, even I mean, right. you're not gonna marry her again. It's like. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe sex, maybe. But even sex, you know, I don't know. Right. You should be able to cut to the end of the date. <laughs> date night. <laughs> date night. But um, you guys like that. The the, the, the labels, the mm-hmm. names. Everything is a name, is organized, is a, is a window. Is you a, don't have that in Morocco or France? No. It's more, I think, I think, uh, maybe it's a preconceived idea and a stereotype about Americans, but I think it's more spontaneous. I don't like to make too much, too many plans, especially with girls. Uh, mm-hmm. But here, you need—I mean, you need to send a text two weeks before and say, "Oh, <laughs> let's uh, eat Mexican on the 12th. <laughs> uh, oh, really? Yeah, I have plans that day. And, and so there's no more uh, spontaneity, right? And mm-hmm. so I get a little—I uh, don't know—that's uh, get bored that way. The dating thing—it's very American. I mean, maybe it's good because it's honest. You go, you date, you see. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's not really spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I always feel that it should be more spontaneity. Here. Of course. I should yeah. call you and even with friends, you know, and especially in L.A., they, they need to make plans for everything. I grew up in Morocco in a street where people would come right in front of my building and say, Ah, God, you want to go there? Mm-hmm. And then I would, you know, come down the building and go and walk around the city and and... This is where how I grew up, so in a very small, um, um, not a small city, Casablanca was a big city, but a right. small neighborhood, you know? It I, sounds like you grew up in Brooklyn in the 40s. <laughs> I like that. Italians. It sounds like an Italian neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my wife, sometimes I try to be spontaneous, and she's, she always confuses, I think, spontaneity no. for impulse. She you can always, talk now. She's not listening. Yeah, but she always says, whenever I try to be spontaneous, she's like, oh, you're very impulsive. 
I think oh, like oh that's you know, yeah because she can't take the yeah, people I know. people don't like spontaneity here they, they they think it's erratic and crazy yeah because they 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 they're not prepared it's in like France it's considered romantic right of course but but here it's just considered like what's wrong with you why what do you we make plans we gotta or schedule things or they get a little uh, offended I would say yeah some girls. Um, Remember, I asked uh, a girl um, to dinner one day. It was like maybe 5 or 6 p.m. here in L.A. She got really uh, um, hurt, very, um, how you say that, uh, like what, uh, last minute, short notice, whatever, mm -hmm. all those words. Right. No, just feel like I want to see you. And <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I already, ha how can you imagine that I'm going to, you know, um, <laughs> uh, make myself available in two hours and you want to take me to dinner? And yeah, maybe because I want now. Maybe I didn't think about it before. Mm -hmm. What about you? Do you want? You don't want? Yeah, but it's maybe <laughs> on next Friday. Uh, okay. <laughs> Um, oh, I was I, I had a thought that I forgot the, the point that I went to Jerusalem. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. So when I was in Jerusalem, you I was studied. I, I was studying and I was talking. There were many different rabbis, and I was talking to them about what it's like to be a rabbi in Jerusalem because I was thinking it's got to be like being a comic in New York. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> like you it's know. like being it's like running a pasta factory in in, in Milano. <laughs> right? and, like uh, the rabbis just come in. You know, to me, it's like oh, they're gonna give me this great mystical class to them it's a set you know like I, <laughs> I love that that's a bit that's a good bit and uh like no one's no one is special that's what you mean yeah. it's like <laughs> how'd it go were they inspired no a guy with a beard yeah a guy with a beard in jerusalem is like just a regular guy yeah that's yeah i, like I think they're that. all hanging out upstairs at the olive tree cafe somewhere, which should also be called the olive tree the cafe. olive tree because yeah yeah, it's um, on the 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 mont. So al male means good. Yeah, al male. And God, I think, also means good luck, right? Yeah, God. It's an uh, al male. I would say it's in Arabic, but God in Hebrew means joy. You know, and it was yeah. God was one of the twelve tribes. I know. Yeah, he's you the know. one. You don't see too many people named after that tribe. It's exciting no, to meet someone after a tribe. Yeah, yeah well, first. the other tribes I think have a lot more people named after them, like Asher, Don. I'm named. Don Asher. I don't know. Yeah. 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 But I mean, no, you, you don't find a lot of people who know about tribes. So I, I feel like on some level, um, I grew up a Moroccan Jew as well because I went uh, to synagogue as a kid and we went to a Moroccan Jewish synagogue. Oh, wow. Where? My, my rabbi was from Casablanca also. Oh, that's my city, yeah. So yeah. where? Where was that? In Long Beach, Long Island okay. in New York. But um, my rabbi, who was like... The, one of the biggest influences on me in the world who I loved, he's passed away since. He was this little little old man from Morocco. Wow. And I mean, he told me, he's, he, every speech was about Casablanca. Like we heard so many stories growing up about yeah. Casablanca that to me, when you talk about it, it's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like I know all these stories, wow. but yeah, he, he would always, in Casablanca. <laughs> That's when poetic, I no, but, I liked, but I like to hear that it's poetic, you know? Mm -hmm. I like this story because young uh, people at the synagogue who never been in Morocco listening to a story from this country, you know, mm -hmm. it's far and Casablanca. And I like that. I like that he brought his story to you guys and his culture. And this is what, by the way, this is what I do with my 
my show sometimes. I was in Seattle last night performing, and I have a whole bit about something very, very Moroccan. A lot of Americans in the room, and I'm talking about those Moroccan slippers. They, we, we call them babouche. So babouche, it's those slippers, very narrow, very pointy, very weird, with no backs, no heel. And I have a whole bit about my father with the slippers. Anyway. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, I was like, am I going to do this bit? They won't get it because they're Americans. And I found out something really interesting in comedy. It's if you're sincere, if you're really into what you're doing and explaining to the audience that it's your story and you care about and it's they're, they're, they're with you yeah. and, and there's no problem. I'm from France. I was born in Morocco. When I hear comedians from Scotland, or from America, obviously, talking about things, you know, Jewish, Ashkenaz, uh, little things from, I don't know, Larry David, Jerry Seinfeld, all those guys. Not mm -hmm. my culture, but I'm touched right away because, yeah. you know, I'm sensitive to it or, I don't know. Um, so it's very interesting. That's why I like this story with the rabbi and I like the fact that we should, as comics, we should try to make those cultures uh, travel and meet, you know? Yeah. Uh, this is why I love the um, uh, uh, Eddie Izzard work because he just, he's trying to translate his, his, his act in French and in German and he does English and then he travels and he goes to different countries. And, but it's getting good and better right now because a lot of American comedians, they go to Europe to do mm -hmm. their shows. Yeah. Um, I met with uh, Louis C.K. a few uh, days ago in Paris. And um, I, the fans were so happy that he could come and and do a, a show all in English, and because they know him from his show, you know. Yeah. Today I saw on the the press Amy Schumer is going into I don't know Scotland and and Denmark, whatever, right. and Norway, and Kevin Hart goes to Amsterdam. I think it's a good thing that American comedians, you know, travel and bring their comedy. They have a lot of fans. Yeah, I, I mean, for, I've I've done it too. I've been all over Europe doing comedy, and I think it's it's like you said, it's it's relatable is the human condition. Exactly. It's not about, but you know what? I think Americans have an advantage is because the sitcoms go everywhere and the movies go everywhere. Yeah. Our export is our culture. Um, so yeah, but also another another uh, advantage that is very important it's the language. Mm -hmm. uh, you can be the best comic on the planet if you speak only Portuguese. It's gonna be hard, uh, except if you go in Brazil and Portugal, uh, doing a big career. And if you speak, I don't know, you know, Romanian, you gotta mm -hmm. stay there. Or French, you know. Yeah. As, uh, this is what I did. I I also, by the way, I did that project, doing my stand-up in English. Of course, because I've always been, you know, fascinated by America and the stand-up here, but also because I wanted to travel and be able to perform everywhere. Mm -hmm. I want to perform in Ireland. I want to perform in, yeah, I don't know, in Middle East. I want to perform in Dubai in English and in Tel Aviv in English. I want to do Moscow. I want to do. I want to go everywhere. Yeah, but I I'm admire getting, the fact that you're performing in another language. It's incredible. Like I did hard. a, I did a show in Paris nine years ago. Really? Uh, a short set in uh, Le Jamel Comedy Club. Yeah, of course. My friend Jamel, he owns the only comedy club, by the way, we have in France. Yeah. So I was there nine years ago, and uh, I don't speak French, but I wanted to perform for French-speaking audience. So I found a guy who's like a body double of, of mine, and I when I did my joke, I prepared with him for like two days beforehand. He's a comedian also. You probably know him 
a guy named Wahid. Oh, of course, I know Wahid very well because yeah. he opened for me a few times. He's a very, yeah, he's a sweet guy. Oh, so I see the gag because it was a big guy. He looked so like me. Right so, away, it was. So I would do my. He's a little bit. bigger than you, I would say. <laughs> but no, no, it's it's Maybe interesting. Maybe he got bigger. It's funny. It's funny. Yeah. So oh. I do my show, joke, then he'd come out as me and do the joke, and I do the joke, and I have it on video. It's uh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. But what you did is much more impressive. That's much Listen, better it's a, it's to learn big, the whole language. Uh, you is know, great. it's a it's a big challenge, but um, you know, I I think when you're a, um, an artist, not only a comedian, you have to, I mean, not you have, but you want uh, to find new uh, ways to challenge yourself and to improve and to. Uh, get excited okay this is what i was looking for getting excited because not that i'm not getting excited anymore by doing shows in france mm -hmm. but you know you do those shows for years more than 20 years 22 years um, all around the country and the french-speaking countries africa middle east and europe and and movies and arenas in europe and it's great, it's crazy, but mm -hmm. one day you wake up and you're like, I need something, you know, I need a new thing, so what should I do, you know? So you you find a mistress. Yeah. So the mistress <laughs> is New York. This is your mistress. I, I would say, She's... I would say, France is my wife. Yeah. No, I would say, okay, I would say like this, Morocco is my mother, uh -huh. France is my wife, and New York is my mistress, because <laughs> New York, you know, I stay awake the yeah. whole night. I can do it as many times uh, as I want. Yeah. And she's a little mysterious, hectic, crazy. Yeah, I told you, she's nuts. She's nuts. <laughs> she drives you crazy. And then you need to get away for a few. And uh, she refuses to go for therapy. <laughs> <laughs> of course, because she thinks she knows everything. And she's, she's so strong and so aware of. Mm -hmm. So... That, that, that's a big challenge that I'm doing right now. And to be honest with you, talking in another language, it's the most tiring, exhausting thing in life, more than physical uh, exercise or, you know, when I do my shows in France, I could do shows for two hours, jumping all around, doing a lot of body language. This is what we do in Europe a lot, mm -hmm. but physical comedy. But I never get tired. When I do a, an hour here in English, just standing, just doing stand-up, my brain is like, wow, it's, it's, <laughs> I come back home, I'm exhausted, like if I, I don't know, I run a marathon. <laughs> All right, I have a few questions on that. One, why do you think Europeans uh, are more physical with their comedy? It's, um, I, th I think it's just a question of, uh, it's, it's, a, it's culture, it's the, the legacy of, legacy, heritage, right? Of, Maybe. Huh? Of the... I think we come from a theatrical tradition, European tradition, Italian comedy, comedy dell'arte. Mm -hmm. We come from the vaudeville, which is a French thing. We come from a Russian theater. Um, so ev all, all the, this, this writing and all those plays and all this tradition, even with comics, is more of theatrical and more... Um, because maybe I have a little idea. I'm not sure if it's a. Maybe just just I want to think that maybe, if I think about Molière, right, mm -hmm. one of the biggest play uh, writer in French history in the 17th century, 
he would do his plays for the king of France, Louis the Fourteenth. Yeah. And you could not go in front of the king and do just stand up, just stand in front of him and tell jokes. They would need crazy things and uh, the the decor, right? The, the set. I don't know how you say that. The, the set, yeah. And the whole, the wigs and the, the, the props and the animals, maybe. They, you know, it was crazy by, by, by that time. And we, we, we took this a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not wearing a wig in my French shows, but I have <laughs> to say that it's physical. It's uh, the the facial expressions and the gesture and the body language and the music, and 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 we 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 like that in France, you know. Do, do French people see American comedians as kind of like half doing it? No, they're they're they have they're very impressed by how efficient American comedians are by jokes with the uh-huh. text. I would say there's good, there's good and bad in 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 each of uh, those uh, two uh, categories because I'm obviously really inspired by American stand-up comedians and mm-hmm. especially Jerry Seinfeld and um, but I have to say that that when I watch American comedians, I miss something. I miss a little warmth, a little charm, a little body language think more of it which is by the way that another reason why i left new york i think one of the dangers of being in the new york comedy scene for too long is it becomes so homogenized yeah that, that you become part of a, a bigger comedy beast that's you, really interesting yeah. what you're saying because sometimes uh, and i love them and i love to perform at comedy cellar for me it's the best club in the country i love to go there um, I try things. I'm trying to improve there, and so, but sometimes I watch all the comedians. And I'm like, wow, uh, we are all focused on the jokes, on the writing, but we have to think about the show. This is why I watch a lot, and I really like one comedian now. It's uh, Sebastian Maniscalco. Yeah, I love. Sebastian. I love Sebastian because, yeah, you know, so physical. Yeah, and for me, it's yeah. he is the perfect mix that I'm trying to do, by the way, mm-hmm. because there are so many things I admire um, with with American comedians, but also they're too dry and too sharp and too non-physical. And on the French side, European side, I admire this physicality and the whole theatrical thing. But at the same time, the jokes are not that strong and mm-hmm. the setup are long and they're non-efficient. So the mix of two, this is what I'm trying to do. Sebastian really does it so I agree. He's he's, yeah. he's fantastic. He's brilliant. Uh, I've seen his shows live. I've obviously seen his, um, you know, on the internet and the little his specials on TV, and he is really, really, really brilliant. Yeah, I agree. And the other thing that came to mind when you were talking about all that was um, I, I interviewed a, a bunch of years ago Billy Connolly. Yeah. From Scotland, and he said the thing he misses in American comedy is it he goes there's no showmanship in it anymore what is this showman he goes people don't dress for the stage yeah he goes and i and i I said oh i have a hat he goes oh hat that's (laughs) nothing but you know that's funny because that's interesting because when i when i arrived that's very that's a detail but it's important i (laughs) my first shows i was um um dressing with a a suit Mm mm-hmm and I stopped that because I went to the club so uh-huh, many times. You got sucked into the New York sucked monster. Sucked into the New York monster. Little black t-shirts, 
<laughs> with the, the little. So you came with your own style and oh, panache. You know? I've and been absorbed by the, 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 the New York they'll, monster. They'll make you conform and you don't even know it. Shit. Then before you know it. But you, maybe tomorrow night. I'm, I'm thinking about tomorrow night. What should I do for my show here in L.A.? Just got to be you. You just got to just be organically whatever yeah. you would do, whatever you really want to do. Me these days is more going with jeans and T-shirts and a little jacket. Right. Little jacket. Fancy jacket. That's the little jacket the detail, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm, that's funny because I was uh, talking with a, um, um, a great comedian uh, with Jimmy Carr. Um, mm -hmm. I met him in Montreal. We were performing in the same room, and one day he said, "So you're going to be doing your special on Netflix?" I said, "Yes." The first, the only thing he asked, it was funny. How are you going to dress? Because <laughs> he's said, all of us. I said, "What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, what are you, what are you going to wear?" Um, <laughs> I said, "Maybe I'm going to do like you. You know, this three pieces, and all that. the whole thing." Yeah. He said, "No, it's not you. You should be you." Yeah. Uh, so me, that's not me. Maybe something else, but it's so uh, funny. interesting. I hung it's out fun. with him in a green room in Scotland, and all he was talking to me about how I was, how I was dressed. That's Maybe he just goes around dressing everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's this brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, I'm glad we spoke about Sebastian because I'm really obsessed with him these days. <laughs> and you know what happened? I, I played in I played my show. I performed in Chicago. And his dad came to see my show. Oh, cool. And I wanted, and I understood something. You know what? Every time in France, people, they want to talk to my parents. They want to know things. They want to learn about, oh, how was it? And I found myself in the same position mm. as those people You're the in fan. France. I was the fan. I was like with, with Sebastian's father. I was like, but was he... Was was he funny when he was a kid? But where did where where was he born? All the stupid questions. I felt like I was the stupid guy with right. you know stupid questions. Like was he a good student, whatever? And and it was really interesting, you know, really really interesting. There's so so many things to get to, I and mean, we're not going to get to them all. I don't know if I even explained to you how the show works. Did anybody explain it to you? Yeah, yeah. That we do philosophy for the second half. I know. Okay. So um, <laughs> all right, good. That's good. Uh, I wanted to talk to you also about jazz. That's another thing we have in common. Passion. Jazz is a passion. That's my passion. Jazz, uh, philosophy also, because we, we, we will talk about it. Deconstruction. This is my mm -hmm. the whole thing. Deconstruction. I'm obsessed with like Jacques what, Derrida. Deconstruction. Deconstruction. Jacques Derrida. Uh -huh. uh, and uh, jazz. Cigars. Cigars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those okay. are, those I'm are with my, you on everything there. Those are my passions. I had to cut down on cigars though because I, I was had to cut to... down on red wine. <laughs> I was doing too much, too much red yeah. wine every night after every show. Red wine, and then I stopped. I said, "Basta! You're doing too many shows." Yeah. Why do you think you like jazz so much? Because I really, really. Because first of all, I was, I am a pianist. I, I play piano, but I'm a bad musician. Mm -hmm. I used to play. Uh, piano when I was younger to, uh, you know, to charm girls. Mm -hmm. I was the guy who would play piano in the party. I still do it, but do it's... Do you bring a keyboard to the party or... No, they have a piano in this rich house. <laughs> what kind of parties? <laughs> the parties I had, they had beer pong when I was... <laughs> yeah, that was your parties. <laughs> no, I think... Um... <laughs> I love this, like, you know, this... 
the fantasy Big. of Morocco. There's like a grand ah. piano. Everybody gather around. God is about to <laughs> Let's play something from. No, I think um, yeah. piano is okay. I was. I'm a musician. I wanted to be a jazz musician. And what I think is jazz music really, I'm, 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 I'm totally uh, connected. And I think comedy, stand-up comedy and jazz music are really, really connected. And yeah. the way it's built, the way it's riffing and improvising. And you know why I think? No. Because they're both rule-breaking arts. Oh. Jazz is the way to break musical rules. And comedy is kind of like breaking societal rules. Yeah, yeah, I like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Life rules and society rules. Yeah, like you know, with words, the, how are you going to be the best rule breaker? Comedy. With music, jazz. Jazz. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to be the biggest rule breaker with classical music. No. <laughs> never. <laughs> never. You got to be so so. You know. On the. That's like Shakespeare. You know. You want to be a performer and do Shakespeare. Or, or you can play Mozart, you know. You want to, uh, you want to play Sidney Bechet. You can, um, you can do stand-up yeah. comedy, you know. So today, on the plane, I was listening to a French pianist. He passed away. Sorry to hear. A, 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 long, <laughs> a long time ago, but he's <laughs> that's good timing. And he would have laughed to that joke because he was full of jokes and humor. And Michel Petrucciani, he was a great, great little guy. And, great pianist so i listen to jazz music a lot a lot a lot brad meldo these mm -hmm. days i don't know uh, oscar peterson you mentioned love him you know chic korea chic korea yeah i mean yeah this is a great great thing i'm 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 glad you're on the same page about jazz and comedy oh, yeah. i think it's a they're 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 the great and i also think they're both america they both started in america Stand oh. up and jazz again. Specifically, stand you guys up. think you're just we we have so ruling, little ruling the the world, right? You guys have food in France. We don't even yeah. We have food. Americans. We you we guys have food. You yeah. got you guys have a lot of food, but we didn't make too much, anything. Too many. We, we didn't, there's no great American food contributions. No, you, know? you guys have food contests. We just mass produce. Yeah, food contests. We do have food contests, but it's about who makes the best food. Right here, it's just who, who can eat the. <laughs> Isn't that stupid? We, we consume. What's that's, the reason? What's, is there a reason why someone is going to have, I don't know, 29 hot dogs? I don't get it. It's <laughs> the perfect analogy for like America, like how we export all the work to other places and then we just consume, <laughs> consume, consume. <laughs> but it's to the extreme because we're giving this example, but also America is very paradoxal, right? Very contradictoire, like... Uh -huh. Now in LA, everyone is so healthy. Everyone is so observing and keeping this health thing. And yeah, you mostly know, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially, I was thinking about you. I was yeah, looking at you. Yeah. No, but um, I don't know why we're talking about food. We went from jazz to food, and I don't know. I don't know either. Jazz it, food. It worked. Jazz food. Yeah, I just saw a thing for a jazz feast. I just saw. Jazz feast. Yeah, I just saw an ad like uh, "Taste the Music Jazz Feast." Oh, We're shrimps have food and food trucks and jazz. Shrimps and saxophone in New Orleans. <laughs> I'm gonna perform in Louisiana. I've never been. 
I'm, I can't wait. I just, I'm looking forward. You've never to been to Louisiana? Never. Oh, you're going to love it. Never. Oh, never, wow. Never. It, you got everything. You got America and France and jazz and, oh, man. Oh, that's you, my place, right? You've never been to New Orleans? No. That is the best. You're going to love New Orleans. Wow. I'm gonna, maybe yeah. I'm going to move there, no? Yeah, possibly. Possibly. I always think that. Whenever I go there, I'm like, maybe I should just stay here. Sure. But the problem is with the, you know, I play music, but I'm 45 now, and what I play is exactly the same thing I used to play when I was 25. Mm -hmm. So that's a problem. We so don't, it's time to evolve. Ah, it's time to quit. Time to quit? No, I mean, it's time to, because when you play by ear, you play the same things, uh -huh. the same old songs, the same old, eh, hmm. basta. I don't know. I think you got to keep, I think you got to break through it instead maybe, of walk away from maybe. it. Maybe, but that's so hard when you, you know, when you get older, it's so hard to sit and, and try to work on the piano and the notes and each and read the music sheet. And so it's very hard. Yeah, but you could live to 100. So how old now, are you? No, yes. But how I wanna, old are you really then? You know, you have so much time. No, it's just if I can live, yeah, I, I would spend time writing jokes and working on my English act. Mm hmm you know, two years ago, I, I didn't speak English like I'm talking to her right now. Yeah. I would be like, uh, you, uh, because, uh, you know. Um, all right. Well, let me, let me go back. I know this is a little scattered, but before we get to the philosophy, there's more things. Yeah. I remember my rabbi telling me when, when we were kids, and not just telling me, I made it about me. He told yeah. the whole congregation. But that they always had a very good relationship with the, with the Muslims oh, in, yeah. in Morocco. Yeah. I have... Um, Incredible memories about that because my grandfather was religious and he would wear a kippah and, and, and a hat and he would uh, keep uh, Shabbat and Gosher and and he 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 would take me to the synagogue and we walk to the in the the Jewish neighborhood and I my souvenir my memories about that is that we lived in perfect harmony but but back in the day mm -hmm. and it's a real great example i always always give to people i meet and i always explain to them how important was this golden age of uh, moroccan judaism sephardic mm -hmm. judaism um, crazy things uh, people don't know about this story but the king of morocco uh mohammed v um stopped uh the nazis uh who of course uh, hitler wanted to uh, go and and take the jews from morocco mm -hmm. and i like you say it, of course like we all know what hitler wanted <laughs> <laughs> of course <laughs> <That's a> <laughs> yeah we don't know <laughs> have you heard about this <laughs> um no, I mean it's it's incredible. People don't know that, and and Mohammed V stopped them and protected the Jews from Morocco. Uh, also, another thing that people don't know in the Melach, which was was the the Jewish neighborhood in Morocco in Casablanca, there were signs for streets and you know signs mm -hmm. uh, written in Hebrew, but it was Arabic, but written with Hebrew letters, like phonetic. Uh -huh. I don't know how you say that. Uh, phonetic. Yeah, phonetic yeah. with Hebrew letters, Hebrew characters. And I mean, I grew up... That's amazing. Yeah, I grew up in Morocco. I know exactly... This is why uh, in other countries they have problems because they don't know each other. Mm -hmm. Morocco, I grew up with Muslims who, would, who knew exactly what Jewish people 
who who they were, why they do this or that, and they had respect for you know um, 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 places of like synagogues and and you know all all those how you say holy uh, you know place of uh, of worship yeah. right yeah um, so and we also did have the same thing I knew that during Ramadan because they were fasting the whole month I would never go and walk around with a sandwich down the street because I would respect people in Morocco who were uh, fasting the whole day and my parents teach me that yeah so some extremist people on the both side they hate to hear my story because they're like no we've always been fighting don't say that no 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 we had this golden age and I think it's good that people know that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's my rabbi would always talk about that. Rabbi Abitan. May rest in peace. Wow. And blessed memory. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Very good. Callback. It's all about yeah. timing, right? Yeah. Do you remember the melodies from uh, synagogue when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. I, re I remember all the melodies from the Sephardic prayers. And by the way, they are so, sound so Arabic. It's like Arabic songs, you know? Yeah. But they're beautiful I, melody. As a musician, it must have been. Of course, yeah. I remember they're like in they are in my heart. You know, Yom Kippur. Anenu is my favorite. Ah, I was gonna. Anenu, Anenu. He always had this yeah. this old man in the back. For Moroccan <laughs> Jewish Sephardic who've been to synagogue and on a Yom Kippur. The uh, funniest thing were the people who were the most American doing the Anenu. It's like we always love to do this guy stand who do Anenu like this. Anenu, David, Anenu. So, like, yeah, that's the very. That's, you know what? That's the exact same jokes with my brother and, and cousins. This is amazing. It's always this guy, very uh, like the singer, opera singer. Very, he was like the cantor. Like all yeah. of a sudden, he stands there. And this old Moroccan in the back, mad. <laughs> hey, it was like, oh, and poor guy didn't have a strong voice, so yeah. he had to cover. I mean, right, this is amazing. This wow. was like our big wow. every year Yom Kippur we come that's, home and man, that's and, a bit. But the best are very... the, the ones who just like can't sing at all. I'd be like, and and like you said, it's oh my yeah, god. The problem, it's exactly now, the problem just, now is people are listening to us right they now. They have no idea what we're talking about. That's a problem. Maybe yeah. one guy is like, I need, I need but I feel something. like because we're so passionate about it, yeah, they're still in there. Again, this is what happens with comedy. If yeah. you know exactly, I mean, if you explain, yeah, yeah, wow, you communicate the energy of the Anenu thing. Anenu. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I know. I know this guy. <laughs> He's so aggressive. Has to get up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Vive Abo! This guy is mad. He's hungry. He's mad like 5 p.m. Vive Abo! Welcome on Yom Kippur Radio. <laughs> it's not even. It's not even gonna hit the Ashkenazi Yom know. Kippur no, people. No, no, that's another. <laughs> oh my God, that's interesting. Oh man. All right, cool. I think that's the the time when we go into the philosophy, if if there ever is one. Um, we don't have to. <laughs> just change the show. Yeah, change the whole show. All right. So Alex is the guy who picks out the philosophers. He picked out a, philo- a French philosopher for you. Which one? Because to, to honor the of fact course. that uh, we have uh, a French comedian, um, although you're really a Moroccan comedian. It's okay. But I guess it's either way. Um, so we're talking about Barthes. Bart, Roland Bart. Bart? Bart. See, I, don't, I wow. never know how to say the names. Yeah. And, I, and I don't read this beforehand because I, I want to come at it fresh oh, with you. Yeah. So uh, this is the guy he picked out, Bart. Yeah. Who says uh, that to interpret art, we must consider the author dead. We'll wow. start with that. Wow. Uh, to interpret. When he says interpret, he means performing or... Interpretation an, to like define, I guess, to uh, understand. Uh, 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 like uh. your your dead pianist. Yeah. I guess, I'm, I'm not even reading on yet, but I'm guessing because if you consider them dead then the art can take on a meaning to you. Yeah. Rather than if they're alive, you could just ask them, what did you mean? And they'll say, oh, I meant this. Wow. I'm guessing. I'll, I'll keep going. He says, yeah. an author's interpretation of his work is no more valid than our own in- interpretation of then, then, work. Oh, then, oh, yeah, okay, okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll take it piecemeal with you. As my rabbi used to say when I studied for my bar mitzvah, he goes, piecemeal. What is piecemeal? Piecemeal, one piece at a time. Oh, oh. But I never heard anybody else say it, piecemeal. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I also I, I, I want to tell you all my stories from yeah, my childhood like that. my bar mitzvah he, uh, I got completely drunk I don't remember any of it after, the, after I read the Torah because every time in between the Aliyah my rabbi gave me Arak another wow. shot Arak another shot Arak I was 13 years old by the time I remember it, the I, know, whole I, room. Know, I know what age you were you said <laughs> yeah, it's <of> okay <laughs> I know have you ever heard someone yeah. If you tell him your bar mitzvah story, telling you, but how old were you? <laughs> 22? Oh, really? It was my brit milah. I was so little. Yeah, I know. I was a prodigy. <laughs> <laughs> Two years old, bar mitzvah. I know. Um, but yeah, every time so you got it's drunk it's at 13. And then afterwards, the whole room was just spinning. People are coming up to me. I just, I, mean, wow. I was like so just wasted. Just Just lehaim, Arak, arak. Um... So, yeah, so what do you think of that, that the author's interpretation of their work is not more valid than us as the audience? I'm thinking right now, um, it makes me think about the painter, uh, which is the biggest modern contemporary artist alive on the planet. His name is Pierre Soulages. He must be maybe 90 years old and he... He talked a lot about interpreting art and talking about art and explaining art. And he was always really mad. And I really, really agree. I do agree with him because uh, when you start to analyze and try to understand 
uh, there's it becomes a problem and you cannot really feel it, you know? Mm-hmm. It becomes less um, felt and organic and natural. And uh, um, so I, I'm try, I try not to analyze too much, especially with art. I'm a very, very big art fan. And even for, even with my job with stand-up comedy, I'm trying to sometimes to, you know, to to be like, oh, how did he? Oh, he wrote this this joke. What's his setup? Mm-hmm. But I, I don't analyze too much, you know. I really want it, it for you. And it, I mean, no, but especially with comedy, you just if you laugh, that's it. Come on, mm-hmm. You're not gonna be like, oh, right. I did this and that and yeah, you know, not too much interpretation. Yeah, in this. that's too. No, that's. Uh, it's like, what do you think he meant by that joke? Well, the whole audience got it, so... Yeah, they got it. <laughs> if what you're... You... It's like, you know, uh, a lot of people, when I when they know I'm doing um, stand-up in English now, so they all tell me, they all have this in common. They say the same thing. They say, first thing is, like, it must be hard with the language. And then they say, but it's not the same humor, no? Mm-hmm. And to me, it's a stupid uh, thing because there's... I don't believe in one humor in a country. Right. There's so many kind of type of humor in America and France. And, and yeah. um, obviously, I'm not going to talk about references that only French people could get. I'm not stupid. So I'm not going to do a play on words with, I don't know, uh, Francois Hollande's name for mm-hmm. American audience. So, but is it the same humor? I never understood that question. Cause yeah, it doesn't make sense to I me. Don't, I don't understand. You know, it's like, what do you mean by that? We don't, we don't, we laugh at the same thing. If it's human, it's universal. It's if it's observa- observational comedy. They only do this with comedy. Nobody says, is it the same drama over there? <laughs> <laughs> drama is drama. That's interesting. Yeah. Do they? But how come because they get a little they... nervous with comedy. They're nervous. Oh, but but it is the same. You think it's the. It's like, yeah, movies, they never do this. Yeah. In, in Cannes Film Festival. Do you think the I, drama will translate over? I never heard someone yeah. say, but it's a movie from Iran. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same movies? No. That's yeah. why they're coming and traveling across to all the countries. And So to go back to an, analyze art, I would go with this uh, thing that Pierre Soulage said. You know, I don't want to analyze art. I don't want to... I want to feel it, live it, um, look at it. Um, it's interesting that we're talking about that because I was on the plane again listening to jazz music, Yuzab and Michel Petrucciani and Brad Meldo, and I was realizing something interesting. I was like, as a comedian, I get inspired by so many things and not only comedy. I could listen to jazz music, a clarinet player, and get inspired and try and start to write jokes. I can go and and see some paintings from Castellani or Joseph Albers or, I don't know, some contemporary artists, and I get inspired, and it put me in a mood where I want to, you know, I want to write, I want to go in that place of inspiration, and it doesn't need to be necessarily comedy. Mm-hmm. It's inspiring. I, I'm in LA, I'm going to go to the store, I'm going to go to Laugh Factory Improv, I'm going to watch a few comedians, maybe I'll be inspired, but... I could be inspired by, I don't know, a song from, I don't know, Rihanna. Yeah. You could be inspired from a nice breeze. 
breeze, really? a nice breeze, like the, the yeah. wind blowing through. Or, I, I felt or, like... a, or, or a one or a woman, a woman. <laughs> yeah. Her feet. Yeah. Her feet. Is yeah. that for you the thing? Feet? Yeah. Just okay. look at beautiful feet. You could be inspired for hours. <laughs> or hands. Yeah. Her hands. If you watch, you know, you keep staring and watching the hands, it could be really inspiring. Yeah. Well, it becomes art. <laughs> If you stare at it for long enough. But she has to be dead because the author. <laughs> <laughs> This got dark fast. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. You know, Danny and God, they get their inspiration back to, from... Back to please. Visiting the mortuary. Okay. Uh, writing involves culture and life forces, working through the author that he can never fully working understand... Working through or, the what, sorry? Working f through the author yeah. that he can never fully understand or control. I think we just covered that. Yeah. Uh, for example, a poem about a Native American woman falling in love with a white settler is intended as a love story, but it may also be interpreted as racist. The author is more of a conduit that captures these cultural forces for us to examine. Mm. What is settler? A settler uh, is a, like a, an immigrant, a white person who came here. Okay. They settled the place. Oh. Yeah. Which is not never how it really goes. It's very uh, unsettled when white people show oh, up. Okay, settler. Yeah, never heard this one. Settler. Settler. Yeah. Okay. A set. You know what it is to be settled? Yeah, settled down. Like settled down. Yeah. Yeah, they settle down in a country. Yeah. Yeah. Settler. A settler. I learned a new thing today. And I've just relooked at this word for maybe the first time since you I learned see? it. I like that. I, yeah. So when you're in uh, America doing comedy in English. Is your head mostly focused on? Are you? Do you have like a self consciousness? Am I saying things correctly, or are you? Are you? Are That's a problem. In, yeah, I try to be as uh, spontaneous as I can, but it's hard because my brain is working and still thinking in uh, French. Yeah. Sometimes I think in English, but it's more tiring now because when I used to think only in French and translating, it was tiring, but not really tiring. Now it's worse. It's getting worse because my brain is like divided in two parts. One is thinking in French, the other one in English. Maybe four parts, mm -hmm. maybe three parts. I don't know because a comedian brain, it's always like I'm doing that joke and then also trying to adjust my pacing and the delivery and think about another joke and try to move things around in my set list and oh I'll do this joke and then I'm riffing with this and right. do some crowd work with this guy and boom, boom, boom. And then... I have this, which is a second, second brain, and I also have the third one, which is the one who takes care of the language. You think like, is it the, the good word? Is it the, the proper way to pronounce this? Uh, are they gonna laugh? Why didn't they laugh right now? You think it's my accent, or it's just a delivery, or it's just a joke? Wow. So you're adding something more. Because being a comedian is already something really, really tough. And, yeah. you know, you're always thinking and, you know, you don't want to bomb with a joke. And if you do, you're like, what happened? And you're always thinking, even on stage. So when you add this language thing, it's even more tiring. Sometimes I walk off the stage, I'm exhausted because, you know, thinking and thinking and thinking. Yeah, but your brain I, is like yeah, firing a million a little, synapses. Yeah, it? little by little, I'm starting to um, think in English. By the way, talking about what everyone and and people say, and the cliches, and they always ask me this question. They say, "Gad, do you dream in English?" <laughs> they always want to 
no if I dream in English. So I say yes, and it's a nightmare. Because <laughs> dreaming in English is like very exhausting for a French speaker. Ah. And also sometimes, because my brain used to have some reflex, how do you say, reflex? Uh, reflexes. Reflexes. Like when I would switch to a language, it was either Arabic or Hebrew. Mm -hmm. Because your brain gets used to it. It's like Pavlov reflex. Oh, I'm going to switch yeah. language. Boom. He sends you Arabic. So sometimes when I speak English and I'm looking for my words, sometimes I have some Arabic words. They pop in my, in my head. Sometimes Hebrew words and sometimes French words. That's a mess. That's really, that's, I wish I could see what was happening on that brain for uh, one hour and 15 minutes on stage. Yeah, it's crazy. That's, yeah. That you, you're going into overdrive. But I wonder, like, do you become a different version of God al Malay when you're oh, yeah. talking in English? Yeah. Not totally. just in terms of language, but no, no, in terms no. of persona. Persona, totally. I allow myself to say things that I would never say in French. This is really interesting. <laughs> I had a, a whole bit about guns, about cheating on your wife. I never do this kind <laughs> of guy. It has nothing to do, by the way. It's not linked. Yeah. No, I'm just, you become a product of the environment. It's like what I was telling you about the New York comedy monster. I know, monster. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it, I am in French what you guys, American, call clean, right? Clean mm -hmm. comic. I don't like this. But what is clean? I don't know. Clean comic. So... When I talk in English, I kind of have a mask on my face, you know? It's like a protection, the language. It's uh -huh. like a persona, it's a character. I, it's like if I, if I play some, someone else, you know? Yeah. So it's interesting. So I can go on some, you know, edgy subjects and little more, take a little more risks, you know? It's really interesting. So you're like basically in a dream, you know? You're basically yeah. in another uh, dimension. No, that's the American dream. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> That's my American dream. So my funny. American dream is exhausting. American <laughs> That's dream. a good one. Yeah, I like. Like, oh uh, yeah. So, so when does the when does French God come out in the English show? Are there are there moments that it's, it's like purely really? Uh, this could be you in English. This could be you in French. Or is are we seeing an entirely different guy? No, no, not on, not the whole show, but just for a few moments. You know. Yeah. But the other really interesting things about the jokes is when I first came here to the U.S. and I started to stand up in English, I thought that maybe I would just have to translate my jokes from my French act and that's it. It would be okay. Like but what I did with Wahid. I was wrong. I told you about that. I was wrong. Because, you know, the best material I have today is the one I wrote about the fact that I'm doing stand-up in English. Mm -hmm. It's you want to have a kind of mise en abîme. It's like in literature, you know, it's like two mirrors facing each other. Yeah. It's like you want to know why you want to, the, the crowd, they want to know. I have a whole bit about Americans asking me why do I want to do stand-up in English. Right. So I have a whole bit about this, about the fact that I'm doing it in English, you know. And it's, because they want to know. And people, when you give them what they want to know, they can relate because, you know, uh, it's like when we, we talked about that right before uh, recording, we talked about easy jokes. Oh, when you're a big guy, it's easy to do jokes about the, fa yeah, the fact that you're right. big. But also in the same time, what I was going to say, if you don't talk about it at all, right. that's not, it's not. You got to find your unique perspective. It's not, it's that, not honest. Yeah. And because this is what we all think, Yeah, you know, I, when you, we see you on stage, I say, oh, that's a big guy. Yeah. Well, 
you know, I talked, I spoke to you about Ryan Hamilton, and he, he has a whole bit about his face. It was like, mm -hmm. should we start with my face? I could be a comedy logo in the 50s. I know. I could sell <laughs> ice cream. Has a, I'm be, the yeah. white Chris Rock. And he has so many funny bits about his face. Uh -huh. He's all obviously exaggerating. When I go to clubs, I go to the comedy cellar. Sometimes I go up on stage and I'm like, I cannot start my, my, my set just by talking about uh, general topics, blah, 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 because I have an accent. Mm -hmm. So I need to tell them I'm from France. And then I, you know, I make fun of them. I, told, I, I tell them all the time that when I say to Americans I'm from France, they come up with random and weird comments. They always say like, oh, you're from France. Uh, actually, last year, my cousin went to Italy. And <laughs> I saw you do that. Bit on I, I'm, I, make, yeah. I make fun of them. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I say, what a coincidence now. <laughs> yeah. You've got to really appreciate this time because I think this will be the most exciting time for you to be a comedian in, at least in America. Because it's like when I moved from New York to L.A., L.A. was all new and exciting oh, and, and out of context. And I couldn't, like, you know, I didn't know where I was with anything. I and love it. But also to yeah. me, that's the exciting part of it. But there's also something I need to tell you, to be honest with you, because it's my life. To be anonymous in America, for me, it's such a, a great pleasure every day. What a joy to go to the club, walking there just with my backpack, my jokes and little notebook and come back to my place and work on my material and go back the day after and not having the whole entourage and the mm -hmm. whole madness and the whole game around, you know? And yeah. You know, that's a reality. It could sound, it's always, it always sounds a little stupid to, to talk about the fame. Yeah. But it's a reality. It's like, that's my reality. If I want to talk about it, when I go to the venue in France, I have those bodyguards and, and cars and chauffeur and assistant and stage manager. And yeah. the stage manager has an assistant and the assistant has another assistant, whatever. It's, and I think it's great to... I mean, like for a few months like this, maybe forever, <laughs> just to get rid of this pressure, these superficial things and come back to where you are. I'm a comedian. I'm not a famous guy in France. I'm only a comedian. I'm going to bomb in the U.S. for a few nights. I'm going to learn things. I'm going to start over. It's very hard, but this is what I'm looking for. I think the best thing you can do is keep bombing. So you don't become popular here. This is what I've been doing for an hour with you, man. <laughs> no, you've been great. But if you become popular here, you don't even have this place to come and hide. I'll go to China. <laughs> and I'll have the same guy as you, a Jewish Sephardic Chinese guy who has yeah. a podcast in, in, in Shanghai. And I will, tell, I will tell him, I could not go in the street in New York. That's why I came to Shanghai. He'll give you different kinds of anenus there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 90. <laughs> you see, we, we're doing All right. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, the author is more of a conduit. We read that. Yeah. To assume that the author knows everything about his work is to assume that he is godlike, not godlike, but godlike, and places limits on the text's meaning. Real meaning is determined by what we glean from reading it. It is this way that every book is being constantly written because as uh. we understand more about the world, the text will reveal new ideas in wow. itself. What is glean? Gleaned, um, like uh, taken from, like, um, 
what we I would say you could almost replace it with what we learn from reading it. But it's a very interesting um, reflection uh, when we read it as a, as comedians, because come on, what we do is crazy. Also, it's mm -hmm. every every night, even if we do the same set. You know what? Sometimes I do the same set in New York in like maybe five, three places, three different places the same night, mm -hmm. and I always, always find something. By the way, talking about Talmud and studying Torah and all, you know, I remember my rabbi used to tell me the one who studied 1,001 times is better than the one who studied 1,000 times, you know, yeah. about one text. It's all chazara. It's always coming back, coming right. back on the text. And even if the text is written, you always find new things. And for us, we are kind of, um, you know, we do this. We do and we find always new things. And I like what it was written here about the book. It con it's constantly, yeah. you know, writing and constantly. I love that because as comedians, we see life like that. We want to change things. We want to break rules. Uh, we don't believe in statements and right. theory and... Uh, What's written, we always see behind. People, we always see behind. Mm -hmm. I like this philosopher. Good. Yeah. It was a good pick Thank for you. you I'm glad to, that we can talk about that. I usually have the guest read this part, but to speed things along, I'll read it to you very quickly. I, th I thought you were going to come up with, I don't know, questions about cheeseburgers and... <laughs> I don't know. Because of my weight? No, America. Just because of America. A smoothie and whatever. <laughs> Yoga thing. <laughs> All right. I'm going to read you a little paragraph Please. from... How do you say it? Roland Barthes. Barthes. You should put a little music. Give me a little bit. Here you go. Oh, my God. That's Roland a good, Barthes. That's a good trumpet. Yeah. But I said, here you go. And I was imagining that you would oh. put it in post-production. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We would, don't have that kind of budget it would, here. It would feel magic. <laughs> here you go. Some music in the background. <laughs> in his story, and I'm going to butcher this word, I'm sure. Of course. Uh, Saransin. Saransin. Yeah, you just butchered. Uh, Balzac. Oui. Speaking of Castrado, discuss, dis, um, disguised as a woman, writes, It was woman with her sudden fears. Who is speaking this way? Is it the story's hero concerned to ignore the castrado concealed as a woman? This is interesting because I'm already starting to think about you being concealed, the concealed identity that you, your French Moroccan identity yeah. concealed here in America, uh, the mask that you're, you, yeah, you yeah, described yeah. Of, of the English language. Um, is it the man Balzac endowed by his personal experience with women? Is it the author Balzac professing literary ideas of femininity? Is it universal wisdom? It will always be impossible to know. Writing is this special voice consisting of several indiscernible voices to which we cannot assign a specific origin. Literature is that composite into which every subject escapes, the trap where all identity is lost beginning with the identity of the body that writes. 
That's, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, but you know, I thought the English would be the challenge. But the idea but now, that's the the text and the idea. Wow, that's very strong. That's very very strong. Mm. What I'm thinking about is the, the idea that when you write a joke, and you don't perform a joke, it's a totally different thing. When we talk about Sebastian Maniscalco, take his jokes and take away his personality. Just write them all down. It's a completely different experience if you don't know the person where they came from. Wow. You know, it's it's true. Like when you write something, I like this. Right? Yeah. The trap the thing, where identity yeah, is but lost. The thing is, it, it's it's really helpful to listen to that because also the language doesn't the problems with the language if you don't speak and you're not comfortable with the language it doesn't allow you to go and show your real personality mm -hmm. that's funny what you that's interesting because last night i felt something for the first time i've been performing this show for a year almost and last night in seattle on stage because it was a big room it's called the benaroya theater mm -hmm. it's a sephardic name by the way and I was performing and I was doing some physicality, physical comedy. That was the first time where I, you know, was comfortable enough with my text and jokes to go into physical. And it was so, it was me. That was my comedy. Not that it was not me before, but I was so focused on the language and the jokes that I was, I was standing there just delivering jokes, boom, 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 boom. So people, they would say, yeah, he's an okay comedian. He tells jokes, but... But what made me famous in France and what is my, how you say, um, a signature, signature speciality, mm -hmm. it's the whole body language, the whole physical. So I need to use that. So again, what I'm saying, if you want to be you, sometimes you need to go and jump the <laughs> over, you know, yeah. those problems. But it could be sometimes... The language, like for me, uh -huh. for other people, it could be some neurotic uh, issues. They cannot yeah. jump and go into their real personality. Sometimes it's just the fear and being nervous. And but I think it's very rare when you meet really your, you know, you're totally in harmony with your deepest, uh, you know, persona. I yeah. think it's very very hard. I'm trying to do it right now. And by the way, you said when you write a joke and you you perform it and i would love to have the courage sometimes just to have an idea and right away go and perform it and not think about it not oh are they gonna laugh when it's a good feeling you I, should do it I, I did it i did it i sometimes i it's a great feeling when it works it's great i have a bit about sports and, and swimming and i just had an idea of an absurd um an absurd composition of a, not even a joke, something that I wanted to say. It was kind of a premise, right? More than a topic. It was a reflection of, on something. It was really absurd. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm going to do it like this. And they laugh. I don't even know why they laugh. There's no joke in it. <laughs> it's all about... Because I say that I don't work out, whatever. And then I say, I swim. I like to swim. And one of my good friends said, God, before swimming, you should warm up. And I'm like, how do you warm up? And he showed me. He was like, you do like this. You go like this with your arms. Uh -huh. And he showed me the moves. And I said, but this is exactly what I'm doing 
when I'm swimming <laughs> inside of the pool. Yeah. And he said, no, but that's warming up. And I'm like, but how is my body can tell it's not swimming uh -huh. and it's warming up. So there's a whole absurd, yeah. absurdness in this. There's no jokes yet. It's, maybe it's gonna come. But if you feel like it's this, a, it's a funny idea. Yeah, right? yeah. Just how is my body knows the difference between masturbation and having sex? Uh -huh. Does he know? Depends how good you are, how good she is. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we end the show with these three quotes. Please, I, I will ask you to read them because they're short and they're not too bad. And the way we, we do it is... You I like how you trust my English by telling me it's short. You know, I like these papers, like uh, some Torah, some, some yeah. <laughs> Bar Mitzvah certificate. It's a, it's a fancy be. kind of printer. I ran out of the regular yeah. one. So the but quotes, you know, yeah. I was going to say, the cool thing is that you're, you're kind of on a language conquest here. And um, language, as far as I've always thought, is the ultimate conquest. Because, and, and I'm thinking about it as you talk about it, language is like a sponge for culture, like absorbs culture. That's why you have like the different God in your head that's French and the different version that's Moroccan or yeah. uh, American, which is why like when a country takes over another country, it's, it's never going to be permanent. But if they leave their language there, you know, like how uh, France did with Morocco. Yeah. France and Morocco, like they left their stamp, like they can't, there's a tattoo of France on Morocco that they can't get off, even though they're still free of, 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 of course it's so language. Once you can conquest language, you're, 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 you're taking a cultural conquest. It's not so much about oh, yeah. a translation. I, I really understand that. Yeah. Wow. That's a very uh, intellectual podcast. But I wish I could learn uh, uh, nice words more than only talking in English like I'm doing right now with words like, okay, stand up, go there, did you move to New York? I wish I could talk with, you know, because English language, by the way, I just found, I didn't know, but there, do you know that there are much more words in the English language than French. Mm -hmm. I thought it was the opposite. There are so many words to say the same thing. It's a very interesting language. I wish I could learn new and sophisticated and nice words to define very precise things like, you know, the fuss, yeah, the commotion and it's like Quark. it's like getting your hands on really cool paintbrushes if you're logging. I read a know. book with a great English from Steve Martin, um, Born Standing Up. Oh yeah, that was a great book. So this book is I, I've learned a lot with this book, a lot because his English is obviously good. Yeah. But not only that, his English is good. It's poetic. It's like those words. I, I never see these words and. Mm -hmm. It's kind of not inventing the language, but reinventing. I listen to it sometimes. Um, you know, the audio book. Yeah. I listen to, to his voice. Well, I'll tell you as you read the quote, we'll say what we think it means. Next quote, we'll say it. Next quote, we're done. Got it? All right. <laughs> That's so American. I like so, that. Yeah. So I'm going to say. Sounds American. Like, we do this, <laughs> we do that, and then you're done. That's it. 
All right, take care, buddy. <laughs> then get out of here. I'll then get out of here. Where are you going? Oh, you see yourself out. <laughs> There's the door. There's the door. Don't let it hit you on the way out. <laughs> All right, quotes. Text does not consist of a line of words. Well, yes, I agree. How so? Um, I think that um, the text is a consequence, is not a goal. I, we should not, we should not plan on writing a text. We should just use the words because we have no choice to express a deep idea. Yeah. And this is not a line of words. Um, I think I really agree with that because if you're going to, it's like for music, music, it's not a line of notes. Line of notes is a consequence of my inspiration and my feeling and my heart and how my talent and how do I feel and the creativity. It's the same with words and text. This text is the consequence of my art, my feelings, my how I feel, how I'm created, creating. Mm -hmm. You see now I've been talking English for more than 40 minutes and my brain's starting to, how you say <laughs> that, melt, I, melt I, down. I liked what you were saying though. Yeah, I, said, I really, I really. Words I, being are just expressions of the soul. Yeah, and I also, yeah, I think. That's why you. That's why you're excited for these new words that you want to learn. I really want. Could you teach me a new word today? What yeah, maybe I'll come up with one. Now I have to. Now, now you're challenging me to be articulate. Yeah. But um, fuss is a good one. No? Fuss. Fuss. Yeah. Um, my favorite English word is in, is Scottish. Which one? Ball bag. Ball. Ball bag. Ball bag. Ball bag. Ball bag. Ball bag. What is this? It means like. Uh, it's like a friendly way to call someone an asshole, you know, but it's like a ball bag. Ball bag. It's like a ball, like a ball bag, like that would hold a your ball, balls. A ball like, bag. But it's B-A-W-B-A-G, oh, ball know. bag. Anyway, sorry. So I have another one. That, another I don't know quote. if I taught you the, I the most beautiful word, but. I know. <laughs> I thought it was going to be poetic, and but then you. <laughs> I took it. No, <laughs> took it's it, just. But it is poetic. It'll make you popular in Glasgow. It's a, it's I a, know. Yeah. All right. Next. So one. it is language which speaks, not the author. To write is to reach. Oh my God! Every comedian should read that. Um, can yeah. You, can you read it one more time? It is. It is language which speaks, not the author. To write is to reach. Yeah, I would start with to write is to reach, especially mm -hmm. for us, and for music composer. To write is to reach. Again, writing is a consequence, is a tool, is almost a detail. Yeah. You know what? Sometimes I have an idea and I find that writing is so uh, uh, um, annoying and mechanical and mm -hmm. slow. I wish it could... I mean, sometimes I have an idea and by the time I write it, it, it it doesn't have the same flavor right. as when it came to my my mind and my brain and my heart and when I'm inspired by something I can be in an airport or talking with you now and 
boom, I have an idea. I'm like, wow, let's, oh, I want to, it's like when you want to take a picture, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, let me, let me, let me take a picture. Let me take a picture. And boom, there's the wind and the thing and the camera doesn't work. And you're like, eh, okay, forget it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, again, to write is to reach. This part is very interesting. Um, especially for comedians. I think this is how I reach to my audience. This is how I reach to my, you know. That's how we wound up sitting across from each other right now. You see? But, yeah. we, but we didn't write. But it's through words. It was well, but I'm going to come up with some ideas right after this conversation. <laughs> Good. So okay, here, La- last one. Last but not least. And then get out of here. And get out of here, because that's my room. I got to go this <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so every text is eternally written here and now. To be honest, I don't really understand. I like it. Every text is eternally written here and now. For So eternally, I'll give you the word, is forever. Oh, 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 oh. You mean so, it takes a, a, a life, a life yeah. at the moment uh, when you read it. Yeah. At the moment you're reading it. At right. The, oh, but the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it lives forever, and it and it will always take on a meaning in its moment. You know. Wow. Okay. Okay. I get it. I get it now. So, anytime you write anything, and that's and that is the difference between writing and performing, because if you listen to old comedy, a lot of it does not hold up. You know. What is hold it, up? You mean like it doesn't? You know, some of it's great, but some of it you're like, why is that? Why are they laughing? I mean, well, why is that funny? You know, and it could have been, it could have been partially by the comedian's physicality, or it could be a reference that's no longer. Uh, uh, and that one would would translate to text as well. But, but it's an expression. It's an expression of of the human being. It's also it's also why people like to see live performances rather than any kind of removal. Like you put a screen in between you and the performer, you're one step removed. You know, and you remove, remove, remove and put it on a record and it, but if it's text it's always right there in front of you it's not it's the relationship is so personal with text you know this conversation is really i thank you really because it makes me want to go deeper and further uh, in my in my jokes and with the language the thing is again the language is a is the tool mm-hmm. But you need to you need to have it if you want to go further, because sometimes I have ideas and I have thoughts and I have. As a joke, I as I always say to a girl that I meet, I'm like, I'm so much you know like uh, interesting in French. You have no idea. Right? <laughs> you have no idea how deep and intellectual and so and. But it's almost a joke. It's a joke, but it's also true because being able to give your, not only your feelings, but your perspective, you need the words. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, you know, that's why you need, and it's not about the language. When I say the words, you just need to have those tools to communicate. Right. Like not I was saying be... about the paintbrushes, like a good word is like a good paintbrush. Like yeah. you, if you're you wow. paint, yeah. uh, like a, like a fan brush, you have different brushes. If you're an artist, do you paint? No, but I, I paint. I, okay. You have different brushes and sometimes sh- you see a brush at an art store. You get so excited 
because you're like, I can now express my, the, take the paint and express in a different way with this brush. That's a word, you know? Wow. A word is like a new brush. Like you have the idea inside of you. You just don't have the brush yet. That's, you're here wow. in America looking for brushes. You're like a painter in an art store. Do you know where, can I get some? There's a good art store on Los <laughs> I'll ask uh, my friend JR. You know yeah. JR? JR? JR is a, is a great the, artist in, in New York. He's from France. He does street art, big things on buildings. Mm -hmm. um, he's great. He's great. You should look. I'll look him work. up. Yeah. All right. I think we should end by singing uh, some Anenus. Okay. I'm going to do the... Okay. You're going to start with the, with the old Sephardic guy in the back. Okay. And I'm going to be the very... Uh, I'm going to be like this Ashkenazi who just here he doesn't know why but he wants to sing and they knew okay and he sounds like the opera singer of i don't know okay roman <laughs> Thank you so much for having Thanks me for on being this here. crazy philosophical synagogal <laughs> Arabic Hebrew English French comedic New York LA podcast. Thanks for doing it. everybody for tuning in thanks again to my guest god el malay and thank you again to mark Marin and wtf with mark Marin for plugging the episode for more you can always head over to moderndayphilosophers.net where you can make a donation to the show it's always very appreciated and keeps us going you can also email me anytime at the comical at yahoo.com i'd love to hear from you we would love if you could leave and by we i mean me i'd love if you could leave five stars uh, and a nice review on itunes that would really help our visibility and lastly, I have another show called The Mostly Bull Market, another podcast where I do the exact thing that I did here, but instead of with philosophers, I do it with companies and talk about comedians and their relationships with money and try and figure all that out. So that's something else I don't know anything about. That's it. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and have a great week. Goodbye.